0: Welcome back to AI ideas with Graham Culbertson, the show about ideas for AI that sit halfway between poetry and mathematics. This is another edition of Bits and Bytes, a short discussion of a single idea. In this case, sidelining sentience. Sentience is this word that gets thrown around a lot in the discussion of whether or not AI should be considered people. I think this is a mistake and that sentience isn't really that important. At best, it's part of what makes a person a person. It might not even be necessary. Using sentience as our test for personhood throws us off, I think, because sentience really just means having senses. That's all it means, sense having. So in a certain way, everything that responds to stimuli is sense having. That means amoeba have sentience in that some of them can, you know, sense prey and and grab it and eat it. That means that one of those systems in which a light is attached to a motion sensor has sentience. It senses motion and it turns on. I can see one from where I'm sitting at my house. Does it have sentience? I mean, it senses things. At this point, the anti-pragmatists in the audience are, are, are hitting something and screaming and jumping in their chairs and shouting, but that's not what sentience means. It means the ability to experience sensations consciously and understand what they are. And that is, I think, what people mean when they ask if a machine is or ever could be sentient. But we don't actually have any way of defining sentience or even consciousness in the way that they want to serve as a test for A.I., and it turns out that sentience itself was a move made by Descartes as a way of proving that humans had souls and animals didn't. The last great skeptic before Descartes, Montaigne, he asked, am I playing with my cat or is my cat playing with me? That's what skepticism used to do before Descartes. And that's the kind of skepticism that Cavell is reviving, this whimsical Skepticism about the world and other minds. It's a skepticism based on curiosity and uncertainty and wisdom. But wisdom has no place in Descartes' skepticism. He was a professional skeptic searching for certainty. Rory points this out. Philosophy used to be the study of wisdom, the love of wisdom. Now it's the study of certainty. And Descartes located certainty in sentience which is a philosophical way of saying the mental experiences of a conscious being. Here's Descartes' claim that certain minds have real sensations and certain other ones don't. For it is highly deserving of remark that there are no men so dull and stupid, not even idiots, as to be incapable of joining together different words and thereby constructing a declaration by which to make their thoughts understood. And that on the other hand, there is no other animal, however perfectly or happily circumstanced, which can do the like. And this proves not only that the brutes have less reason than man, but that they have none at all. It is also very worthy of remark that, though there are many animals which manifest more industry than we in certain of their actions, the same animals are yet observed to show none at all in many others. It rather proves that they are destitute of reason, and that it is nature which acts in them according to the disposition of their organs. Thus it is seen that a clock composed only of wheels and weights can number the hours and measure time more exactly than we with all our skin. And here it is. This is the distinction that ruined philosophy for centuries and condemned all animals to be mere robots. They sense things, of course, like amoebas sense things and like a photosensor can sense red. But without reason. They don't have real sensations. They don't actually produce a mental picture of the world and have consciousness and have morality. That's what Descartes means when he says sentience. Every single human has it because they can communicate it. Exactly zero animals have it. Without this magical thing that's never very well defined and could never be tested, you are just a machine. With it, You're basically a god. And philosophy has been chasing this idea. Sure, refining it and altering it, but more or less believing it ever since Descartes. I think this concept of sentience is a terrible way to look for non-human minds. Where we should actually look for it, to use a phrase from Wittgenstein, is in family resemblances. And Richard Rorty has a wonderful way of describing the family resemblances we're looking for in other minds. Babies and the more attractive sorts of animals are credited with having feelings rather than like photoelectric cells and animals which no one feels sentimental about e.g. flounders and spiders merely responding to stimuli. This is to be explained on the basis of that sort of community feeling which unites us with any humanoid to say with common sense that babies and bats know what pain and red are like but not what the motion of molecules or the change of the seasons is like it's just to say that we can fairly readily imagine them opening their mouths and remarking on the former but not on the latter to say that a gadget consisting of a photoelectric cell hitched up to a tape recorder which says red when and only when we shine a red light on it doesn't know what red is like is to say that we cannot readily imagine continuing a conversation with the gadget to say that we just don't know whether androids who have been manufactured out of protoplasm And are all ready to go, except for the speech center, which is about to be installed, know what red is like, is not to confess scientific or philosophical bafflement concerning the nature of subjectivity. It is merely to say that things with roughly human faces, which look as if they might someday be conversational partners, are usually credited with feelings, but that if we know too much about how these things are put together, we may be loath to think of them as even potential partners." I think Rorty is completely right. What we're calling sentience is merely the ability to describe sensations in a way that makes sense to us. So if we make a computer program that's quite a lot smarter than a baby and uh, give it all sorts of sensory inputs, it will be able to describe its feelings pretty well. But we're going to have a hard time accepting those as descriptions of feelings. We might even say it's just a machine, as if babies aren't machines. The difference is we watched this machine get made, and so we have this sort of bias against it in terms of having real sensations. And the way out of this uh, is not just to give androids a human face, although I think Rorty is right, that will help. It's to have a conversation with them. The photoelectric cell has sentience, so does the amoeba, It can communicate about as much as the amoeba can too. So people are right to deny it personhood. But not because human sentience is something special that lives inside humans and has to do with sensations and consciousness and reason. There's just a lot more sentience and a much greater ability to communicate it in a human than there is in a photoelectric cell attached to a tape recorder. Descartes' definition of sentience, in fact the concept of sentience itself, needs to be thrown out. Because it's just a matter of defining why it's okay for humans to murder and torture certain things. As Rorty points out, pigs are much smarter than koalas when they're tested, but much less beloved due to the lack of facial family resemblance. Sentence is all or nothing, it's tied into Descartes' fantasy about human reason being godlike, and it ends up denying the very obvious thing that sensations are supposed to be about sensing things because Descartes is claiming that you can be certain that other things have sensations just like you when in fact, the only way to figure that out is to talk to them. So is that photoelectric cell sentient? Sure. Why not? Amoebas are sentient too. That doesn't help you. You're not looking for an abstract concept like sentience or reason when you're looking for other minds. You're looking for family resemblances, not the shallow ones, the facial family resemblances that makes you think a koala is smarter than a pig when it's not. But in the same place where you look for family resemblances when you meet other members of the human family and want to find common ground, by talking to them and listening to them, philosophy might not actually help you that much in figuring out who is a person. Literature will, though. Here's Rorty. We are tempted, when we are particularly good at predicting something's behavior on the basis of its internal structure, to be objective about it, that is, to treat it as a thing in itself, rather than a thing for itself, and quote, one of us. Philosophers have, I think, nothing much to say about when this temptation is justified or unjustified. Novelists and poets, however, do. This has been another edition of Bits and Bytes from AI Ideas. Please believe in other minds.